0: with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Thanks for
1: waking up with us on a Saturday morning Hey, Ashley Frasca here You're listening to hour number two of Green and Growing And I want to go ahead and give you a heads up Coming up at the bottom of the hour from 7.30 until about 8.30 I'm going to have Clint Waltz, extension turf grass specialist from the University of Georgia So if you've got some burning grass and lawn and turf questions Now would be the time to start thinking about calling those in And you can talk to Clint and get the best advice your lawn, 404-872-0750 But now I am so pleased to be joined by this week's celebrity gardener Certainly a gal who knows a thing or two about farming and agriculture And adds a lot of value to our conversation here Georgia's first lady, Marty Kemp, good morning Good morning, Ashley, glad to be with y'all So excited to have you on And like I said, you just make so much sense for this I'm going to get right in You've been mentioned on the show before I bet you didn't know that, did you? I did not know that. Here's a former celebrity gardener who had a little something to say about you. Marty doesn't like me cutting the bushes back around the house, but I'll always do that when she's gone. I'd better to ask for forgiveness and permission.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) He has cut down a lot of things around our house, and and it makes me very mad at him.
1: That is hilarious
2: That's hilarious So
1: I think I started off by asking him Like his least favorite garden chore And he had this cool story about raking leaves And how he made very little money Doing it for for somebody one time When he was a teenager And then somehow we got to Pet peeves in the landscape And there it was
2: (laughs) Oh yes He does help a little bit with the gardening We have a small, small tomato Plants at home, and he always makes fun of me If I put them in a pot or if I put them in, you know He's got all the answers to everything (laughs) Unsolicited advice, I will say
1: Well, so I'll ask you, and you all Have a garden, I I guess you've got one at Home, but there's one at the Governor's Mansion too, right?
2: There's a beautiful one at the Governor's Mansion, and I was just so excited when We went over there and could see Everything that they were planting, and so This year we kind of did a variety of tomatoes And then I did a few, um, just a Couple of bushes at the house You know, from great tomatoes to the brandy wine, ended up being my favorite this year Oh, yeah Um, And so, you know, learn kind of different things And kind of can do a couple different plants because you have a bigger garden in Atlanta So that was fun to, to learn from
1: Now give us maybe just one tip, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about tomatoes But just one maybe helpful tip that a beginning gardener would need to know Just about growing vegetables, something easy
2: It's always good to have rich dirt Like if you use a pot I'd always want to put little pebbles down in the bottom Because I had a problem with drainage And then the little pot feet You know, we have horses So we have some good fertilizer That I would like to say that we use in (laughs) the the pot But you can't use too much You know, so you have to kind of balance it out But you know, the people at the gardening stores Are happy to help you with that It's just simply asking them
1: You are passionate about vegetable gardening And that is fun And flowers and all that too But your least favorite garden chore Oh my gosh, something you do not want to do
2: Weeding. Oh, oh, that's a good weeding one. Weeding crazy. And I always let it get too far ahead. And so that's why, you know, if you do it on a daily basis, like most wonderful farmers and, um, you know, professionals in this industry do, I just let it get too much. So I guess the key would be do it every other day or every day if you could.
1: So I've done so much research on just all the initiatives that you've been able to do And maybe even call them some of your platforms as First Lady of Georgia And one is Georgia Grown And we've talked about that that division of the Georgia Department of Agriculture here on the show before Especially with the beginning of COVID and and coronavirus and all of that And how Mm -hmm. that initiative and just that program in and of itself was so important To making sure food banks were stocked and people were fed And your initiative extends from Georgia food that's served at the governor's mansion to native wildflowers and how you've partnered up with the Georgia Department of Transportation. So tell me a little bit about your involvement with Georgia Grown.
2: Now, at the very beginning when we were elected, Lydia Black asked me if I would consider making the, the mansion Georgia Grown. And I was like, well, why isn't it? You know, of course we will you know, we need to support our farmers and agriculture is number one in Georgia. So it just was a no brainer for me that we would represent our farmers and everything produced in Georgia at the mansion and highlight our Georgia growers, because I mean, they're the ones that, you know, farm to table. And that's so very important. It was an easy ask to me. And so we've just definitely been interested in finding out what everybody has to offer and purchasing from them and sharing that with the groups that we have and lunches and dinners that we were having at the mansion that I hope that we can get back to pretty soon but I do think it's really cool that you could walk out to a, to your garden pick a tomato or, or you know pick some lettuce pick up some okra and have fried okra or cucumbers or, or whatever it is green beans whatever it is that you like to grow cook them right there and just have fresh vegetables it's, it's always been a big favorite of our, my family.
1: Literally farmed a table And talk about how supportive The staff was of that idea And the chef there at the governor's mansion I'm sure you had a fun time kind of putting your heads together
2: It was fun for Simon, our chef To research the Georgia Grown um, and, and what was available And you know, he's worked with, with, with Doing some dinners With the Georgia Grown program, but But to implement it and let him shop it and go meet these individuals was really exciting for him as well
1: And you talk about the importance of agriculture here in our state And this show is heard in Metro Atlanta and has even further reaches But of course, Middle Georgia, South Georgia, so important And last week was National 4-H Week And I want to find out your family has fond memories of 4-H, don't they?
2: Oh, absolutely. Our girls showed lambs for years, and it was such a great family activity where we would, you know, exercise lambs, we'd feed them, we'd wash them, we'd, you know, birth several twins and um, single lambs at the house. And it was just a great bonding, going to shows on the weekends and just meeting family, other families that were so involved that we still are friends with today. And then, of course, going, you know, the big show in Perry was always a big deal and just spending time down there and fun to get dirty and then clean up and the girls will go in the show and be competitive with each other or other people showing and then you know your friends when you come out your friends and either you get a big belt buckle or you don't and then you just work <laughs> harder to get it the next time. <laughs> There's a lot of pride in those big belt buckles, I'll tell you.
1: You've got yeah. that right. And Camp look, look, look. Rock Eagle, too If you're a native to Georgia You know what Camp Rock Eagle is
2: Absolutely It's a great, great 4-H camp right. It
1: teaches
2: a, a lot of leadership and skills That will take them further in their life
1: Marty, I put That's out on it Twitter that you were going to be my celebrity gardener And I had folks jump at the chance To ask you some garden questions so Oh have,
2: goodness, okay <laughs> I hope I have some answers
1: Nothing crazy like how to propagate a rose Or what's this disease on oh, my Yeah, you no, know, nothing like that So first of all, Diana, she has something timely She asked, do you have any tips Marty, for caring for mums Because they look so colorful And so beautiful right now
2: Well, I do and I don't. I mean, I I know you need to fertilize them, and they're so beautiful. I just really, really love those. And just like, you know, once again, if you plant them, make sure you have them in pots where they can drain properly. Get, you know, sufficient water that they need and um, fertilize them on every six weeks, and they'll last a lot longer.
1: That'll work. It's what
2: I've done in the past, and it has worked.
1: Yeah, see, and that's right There is no tried and true method, I don't believe, as a gardener But if it's it's something that has worked for you and not others Then you keep doing what works for you, right? Absolutely All right, now these next two questions They may know something about you that I don't So correct us if we're wrong here Brant, he said, do you do any of the floral arrangements at the mansion?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really do not I have suggestions on the flowers that I like and um my daughter and you know we've done a couple of those and uh, but but normally the guys and the director will do them and um they turned out really beautiful and just we i know for the first um spouse's luncheon the legislative lunch spouse's luncheon we did a lot of um carrots and um cucumbers in the water and then put i love sunflowers and hydrangeas Ooh. and you know we've mixed those and, and of course. We don't have sunflowers growing. Well, we do I have to take that back. We did have some sunflowers growing at the mansion, but we have beautiful hydrangeas there. So we can cut those and, and put those in. I do some experimenting. I've gotten a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, you know, that also is that, that that can be very challenging sometimes and very intimidating. But once you can get in there and start mixing things together, it's really fun and, and not too overwhelming.
1: Yeah, you have a good time figuring out what pairs well, but then my problem is how to make it last. You know, I mean, I get cut flowers from a, a local grocery store, and I can make them last with that plant food for six or seven days. I was but about if to say I the
2: plant food is very important.
1: It is, but if I cut stuff from my own garden, whether it's daffodils or something like that, they may last in a vase two or three days. I don't, I don't get the longevity part of it.
2: Well, Ashley, you got to save a couple of those little, you know, food, um, <laughs> the food plants, and have those in your drawers, and then you can use those for it.
1: <laughs> All right. So, my husband, John, if you're listening, I think Marty just said you need to buy me more flowers so I can have more plant food. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's how. I
2: totally agree with. That. I
1: think that's how Absolutely. I heard that. <laughs> All right, so the final question from Twitter Comes from Dawn And it's along the same lines Greenery from a bouquet So we're not talking about the flowers But just the greenery Do you save and dry any of that? Or do you try to plant any of it? What do you do?
2: You know, I do not do that I love a fern So I do have ferns planted And I have requested that So that you can go out there and clip that And put that in arrangements But I normally I'm not a big dried arrangements person you I do. like fresh flowers and they, I'm not opposed to a dry arrangement Don't get me wrong But I like fresh flowers Maybe well, Brian's listening to death And he'll get that hint
1: <laughs> too Oh, the husbands, <laughs> you doubt. know At 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning They're not doing anything else They know we're on the radio together They're listening <laughs> Ex- Oh, yeah, exactly Right Well, I'm going to take a quick break, Marty But when I come back I want to let everybody know What Grace is A program that you have started here in Georgia And how it benefits Sex trafficking victims I think that's so important To get the word out On all the hard work You've done for that So can you stick around For just a few more minutes All right We'll be right back After a check of traffic And weather Here on Green and Growing On 95.5 WSB And you know it's time for a weather update Brought to you by Finley Roofing Today and tomorrow it's going to be dry But chilly highs reaching 70 degrees And lows around the mid-40s to 50 And talking with Georgia's First Lady Marty Kemp Talking gardening and other things With the First Lady of Georgia, Marty Kemp And I wanted to make sure we had time To talk about an initiative The Grace Commission that you all started Georgians for Refuge Action, Compassion and Education
2: We actually formed the Grace Commission In February of 2019, because we went to the press conference at Atlantic Station where they showed 72 school buses, which represented 3,600 kids that are taken into human trafficking a year in Georgia. And the girls and I and Brian were just, I mean, I I was just dumbfounded. I couldn't even believe, shocked that that was, of course, happening in our state. So the Grace Commission was formed and it brought all the experts to the table to all work together to see what, you know, what everybody's doing, not reinvent the wheel come to find out that education and awareness are key. And so we had a training developed by the Department of Administrative Services. Brian encouraged all 80,000 government employees to take that. So we'd have more boots on the ground, people knowing what to look for and how to report it when they saw it and just what to do. We just announced the Human Trafficking Hotline, one eight six six 866 nhtga which is one 363 4842 which will let people know where to go, where you can get information to the GBI, information on what to report, where to report, or to get help.
1: The number that you put out is staggering 3,600 victims in Georgia a year?
2: Yes, and I, I believe that it's more than that, but there's just not been enough reported. And then it is happening in 159 counties in the state of Georgia. We just hadn't been able to recognize it. But with this training, it is a key to be able to educate and with the awareness, people will know how to recognize it just in their everyday life of going to the grocery store, going shopping. If they see something, say something, and you can help save somebody's life. I mean, how incredible would that be to be a part of saving one person's life in this evil industry?
1: Yes, we read uh, stories from some of the marshals who were involved in some of those sting operations a month or two ago Their personal experience being the first person of relief that some of these teenage girls had seen in years And for anybody that's listening that doesn't think that this is going to affect them If you have any pride in your state whatsoever, Georgia has been a trafficking hotspot since 2005, at least if not earlier And Atlanta is just one of 14 cities with the highest rates of sexually trafficked children. So there's got to be something we can do for sure. And, Marty, i got to ask, too, what a powerful campaign that you all were able to put out on social media. How did you all obtain local movie mogul Tyler Perry to partner up on such an important (laughs) topic with all of you?
2: He's a great friend. And, look, he's in this fight with us. That was just a powerful PSA that he gave out. And it's important to him. I mean, it's important to every Georgian and every citizen in the United States that we need to let these individuals know that there is a choice not to go in this and that we are there fighting for them. And there there is hope that they can get out of this evil, not even get in the evil industry, to get out of it too.
1: Marty, I really commend your efforts to really push that forward. And again, just establishing that human trafficking hotline, 866-N-H-E. TGA and that's so Important so thank you for what you're doing there I want folks to follow Absolutely. you on Twitter Because they can really learn a lot More not only about your passions Fighting human trafficking but you've got Passions and animals and so many other passion Projects where can they follow you on Twitter at GA First Lady And also have Instagram as well Girl, you're better than me Instagram, I can't keep up I, just, I don't have enough photographs that are interesting You know, like my food or a selfie or my dog There's only so many pictures I can take of my poor Great Dane Before she's like, Mom, stop oh, I know, <laughs> that's enough now we are fellow Bulldogs, I graduated from 2005 from the University of Georgia, Go Dogs! Go Dogs! Coming up later today there's kind of a big game that you're going to hear right kind here on your big home big. of the Dogs. Yes, Georgia is That's at right. Alabama, that state right to oh, the west right. of us. Oh.
2: We got to bring that win home. I know Kirby and the dogs will do that We're (laughs) going to bring the W home
1: Well, listen, Marty, I've got to have you back When we've got some more initiatives to to talk about I didn't even get to talk to you about the native wildflowers and things We're, We're working with the Department of Transportation Just to make sure the state is beautified and functional, too So how about we set a date for that?
2: That sounds great I'd love to do it Appreciate it
0: We're
1: back on Green and Growing 736. Thanks so much for joining us early on a chilly Saturday morning. It's going to be a great weekend. And need I remind you, as the first lady and I were just talking about, the Georgia-Alabama matchup today. All of the tailgate show and pregame coverage begins at 4 o'clock right here on your home of the dogs, 95.5 WSB. Kickoff is at 8 o'clock, and I think the Braves are playing at 3 or 4, so the games shouldn't overlap. They shouldn't conflict. It's going to be a day full of sports. I love it. And I want to give a quick thank you to Beverly on Facebook for sending me a thoughtful message uh, As I was speaking to the First Lady, Marty Kemp Her advice for cut flowers, she says boil your water first It kills the bacteria that's in the water and then cool it, of course, before you put it into the vase She has tried that with both the little flower packets of food and without But Beverly says it works very well and flowers will last much longer So thank you for that, thank you very much for that, Beverly You can uh, find us on the Facebook page as well Just search Green and Growing WSB and there we are Now if I can get to the right screen here that I'm trying to get to I am bringing on a special guest whom many of you have heard on the show before Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia, the Extension office And uh, the campus down in Griffin How are you this morning, Clint?
0: I'm doing well, actually
1: Really good to have you back Thank you so much for coming on And we're going to share some knowledge with folks And answer their questions about turf grasses And lawn care maintenance and all of that kind of thing And tell us a little bit about your background with all of that And how you get into the sciences of soils and all of that
0: Okay Um, It started off, really, as a teenager uh, Mowing lawns and uh, making money Turns out uh, (laughs) I, I, I enjoyed being outside and um, I come from an agricultural background. Uh, my family were farmers and dad was an ag teacher and and uh, on both sides of my family my my mom's side as well as my dad's side was in agriculture. so I guess some others when it's in the blood, it's in the blood, but mm-hmm. uh, I started making money uh, doing stuff in the lawn and um, around the neighborhood and kind of like that aspect of it. so uh, I didn't know it was the green industry at the time. I didn't know it was professional lawn care. Uh, could be so lucrative at the time, but uh, did some of that. And then, while uh worked on a sod farm for one summer, and then uh, summer internships uh, doing uh, work on a golf course. So I got to be around turf uh, a good little bit, and I really enjoyed the science classes when I was at Clemson. So uh, I'm you know, it's a Go Tigers day for me today. It is. Uh, with, I with knew you wore a Atlanta. different
1: color. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we're playing each other this season. No chance with an interconference game. So we're okay.
0: Well, not until you get to the postseason, maybe. Okay. But, uh,
1: All right. That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> there you go. I love it. <laughs>
0: but uh, but uh, I've, I've always enjoyed the science, and, and grass has been something other than uh, turf grass. It's just how it's used uh, on, on home landscapes and. Um, Professional situations, whether it's ball fields or golf courses or what, uh, it's just the intricacies and then the people. Um, the, the people early on were the ones. It's, it's a great industry out there. The green industry's got fantastic people in it that really care about what they're doing, whether it's golf course superintendents or sports field managers or commercial lawn care folks and, and that kind of thing. It's just excellent people, great industry, and uh, they're trying to provide a service to, to um Whoever their clientele is, professional athletes, eight year olds running around playing soccer yeah. or, or you know, the average home. So it's it's a great place to, to work and great people to work with.
1: It affects all of us, whether it's leisure, recreation, you know, or professional, like you said, golf courses and businesses and things like that. This you know, turf grass, I mean that area spans far and wide. And with the College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences there down in Griffin, that's kind of a research cool. hub, right? That's a lot of what you all work
0: on. Absolutely. No, we've got turf is actually on all three of our campuses, so Athens, Griffin, and Tifton. But the majority of our turf faculty are here in Griffin, and uh, we have an excellent research facility, a great um, uh, new building. I say new, we've been in about three years. That uh, our industry went to to the legislature a few years back and said that we need to to make sure our facilities match the quality of of work that we project around the world. Uh, University of Georgia's turf program has a long history of, of, of producing grasses that are used all around the world, literally all around the Tiff world. Tiff
1: tough Bermuda, and, right? That comes right from the University of Georgia.
0: It does. That yeah. comes off of our Tifton campus down there. But uh, and, and that's certainly our new one, and that's the one that uh, has got uh, well-documented water conservation uh, properties about it, so it uses less water, um, even for Bermuda grass, which is a, um, a very water-conserving species on itself. But TifTuf goes even beyond that, and our breeders and our scientists, and, and I've had a little part in that through the years of, of developing that, that cultivar as well, of um, getting that out there and such that we can get a, a quality grass out to uh, um, homeowners and sports field managers and golf courses and, and that type of thing and actually wind up having a, a positive impact in reducing the uh, uh, amount of water that's being used for, for growing grass.
1: Yeah, that's something we have to think about as as good stewards of the the planet as well is using less resources, right, and being a little more efficient in the landscape. And I wanted to talk to you about that too. Um I listened to a podcast recently with John Greeley, who's kind of known as the grass guru, and his take on the use of ornamental grasses and how, you know, that's just really now becoming more and more common, we like our Lawns and our turf grasses So there's a chance to use ornamental grasses and, But he talked about grass ecology And I really had never thought of that phrase Before, but just how to be more Environmentally conscious about our Lawns, right, and how if we use yeah. Ornamental grasses it would take a lot less Resources, but to try to keep up that lawn You're using water, you're using Pesticides, you're using herbicides I mean that can be a strain on the environment If not done the right way, right?
0: It can be, and uh, but you know the the difference between some of those is the, the ornamental grasses or places are going to be used in place of or in conjunction with um, woody ornamentals. Uh, you're not going to be able to mow those down at say anywhere from inch to to three or four inches kind of right. thing and have a lawn lawn with them. So the ability on ornamental grasses to go out and let the children play um, in the yard or or place for for a, a fluffy and Fido to go out and do what they do Mm -hmm. um that gets kind of limited on the things and absolutely the stewardship of trying to have grasses that um in developing grasses that reuse less water or um are more competitive against weeds so you don't have to apply herbicides or have a um i I guess i'll throw out a rather scientific word host plant resistance okay Uh, what that means is it's built in genetically that it's It doesn't get sick. It doesn't get the diseases. And genetically, it's predisposed not to be subject to some of the diseases, so you don't have to apply fungicides um, on them. So our our breeders and our scientists, uh, we're all trying to work towards improving our our grasses that we put out there that, uh, that, that don't need as much of that and are more sustainable and easier to care for.
1: Yeah, nothing's going to be perfect, of course And Lance Walheim yep. joined me last week From BioAdvanced, Clint And he said something that I really thought a lot about He said lawn diseases are almost always Caused by, or made worse by Improper care of the lawn And I kind of thought, huh, that could be It's like the more we try to combat this problem The worse we may be making it So, again, that goes mm-hmm. best to Or goes back to best practices up front And strengthening that lawn And making it a lot tougher and stronger That'll save you time on the backside, right?
0: Absolutely No, that's that's correct And using the proper agronomics Or proper cultural practices So doing things like fertilizing at the right time And using the right fertilizers um, you, you don't predispose that grass Or make it young and tender So it is more susceptible to diseases Or you don't irrigate at the wrong time Such that it's wet Most of our diseases and turf Need about 12 hours of free moisture ah. uh, Either on the leaf or around the crown of the plant so if you irrigate too early and you move into nighttime, you extend that wet period, so you do uh, risk an opportunity there or provide an opportunity for, for disease to, to take over. So you know some of those kind of management practices um, can certainly um, influence positively, influence um, uh, how we wind up controlling our, our, our pests out there.
1: Is it better to irrigate, like if you're just putting seed down or we've gone through a dry spell? Is it best to irrigate in the mornings?
0: It is um, now. If you're doing seed, uh, and that's happening right now, a good bit with tall fescue. Uh, thing you have to remember about seed and even sod is that it has no root system. Um, but for seed, let's just talk about that for a minute, if we got, if we can. That um, once you start irrigation um and you're going to have to keep that seed moist and wet mm-hmm. uh the germination process the biological process of germination once it starts it can't stop if it stops the seedling will die wow. there is no pause button with with uh, seed germination uh on it so once you kind of get it wet it needs to stay wet through the germination process the whole biochemical germination process so you in those situations, you water in the morning, you water maybe a couple of times through the day Just to make sure that seedling stays moist and, and doesn't dry out Because if it dries out, it won't, it won't go any further
1: Gosh, that's really something great to think about And, and I'm glad you brought that up We've got a couple of minutes before we go to break here, Clint But lots of questions for you and I both this time of year About overseeding for tall fescue And generally, you know, from what I see, October 15th is kind of Prime maybe up until, but you can certainly do it in November. But how do we know when it's too late? What what are we as you know inexperienced <laughs> gardeners? Are we looking at the air temp or the soil temp when that cutoff is too late to seed?
0: Yeah, well, with tall fescue, you can kind of seed We'll say this: it's kind of like buying a garden hose. I guess you know you got good, better, and best uh-huh. um, on your garden hoses out there. So I kind of look at tall fescue as a good, better, and best. Uh, The best time to seed is kind of between September 15th and let's just say October 15th or November 1. And, yes, soil temperatures are a big part of that. So the warmer the soil temperatures, the faster it's going to germinate. Um, The faster it germinates, the quicker it puts down a root. It starts to be able to pull up its own water and nutrients. So as we move into, let's just say, mid-November, December, you can put tall fescue out then, but it's going to be slower to germinate because soil temperatures are cooler. So uh, if you seed it, let's just say uh, September 15th and soil temperatures are 75 degrees, mm-hmm. you may see tall fescue germinate in three to five days. Wow. Not uncommon at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you move into mid-November, soil temperatures are somewhere down, say, upper 50s or low 60s, and now it's taking 10 to 14 days or 7 to 10 days for it to, to germinate, not three to five uh, on, on it. So it, it's taking longer to germinate. It'll come up. It's going to sit. It's just not going to move quite as, as um as quickly so we can you know that's that's the better (laughs) and and then you can even germ you can even put tall fescue out in december january but it's it's not going to go anywhere because of those soil temperatures and air temperatures both um real rapidly but you'll get some germination then um on it but uh fall is the ideal time uh that's that's the best is as as early to mid-fall it's the best time to to get tall fescue out
1: And we love that so, And that's where we are right now And for those of you yeah. who are like Well soil temperature How am I supposed to know that There's a great website again Put out by the College of Agricultural And Environmental Sciences There at the University of Georgia It's just weather.uga.edu Weather.edu Or .uga.edu Just weather
0: Yeah Weather.net,
1: I think Yep, yep, weather.net And you can uh, search the soil temperature for your area And that way you kind of know Well, we're going to take a break And we're going to talk to Barbara in Toco Hill About her Bermuda lawn And then DJ with a comment on centipede grass I'm joined by Clint Walsh from the University of Georgia We'll be right back on Green and Growing on WSB
0: Back with Clint
1: Walsh from the University of Georgia Answering lawn questions, turf grass questions for you First, a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing, though Highs today and tomorrow around 70 Lows in the uh, mid to upper 40s It's going to be sunny both days So, Clint, we've got some good weather this weekend And we have Mm -hmm. some good questions, too I want to take Barbara up first Calling from Toco Hill Hey, good morning, Barbara
2: Good morning What can I use on my fescue to get rid
1: of the nut grass and the Bermuda Oh, yeah, that's a problem The Bermuda's oh. invading the fescue, huh?
0: It is, it is oh. bad. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me there uh, The Bermuda grass and the tall fescue Is is not an easy, well, neither one of those Are actually easy control um, uh, On that one, so the Bermuda grass In tall fescue There's, there's a chemical called Acclaim. claim A-C-C-L-A-I-M It is not inexpensive Um, it is an expensive chemical and you'll probably need a a professional to apply it. Um, And then the downside to that is it needs to be applied about every 28 days through the growing season of the summer when Bermuda grass is growing. So essentially what you do is you make the Bermuda grass sick, you keep it sick and eventually you wear it out and it will die. And when I say eventually, you're probably looking at two to three growing seasons. So it's, it's, you got to be committed. It it can, it can work, but you have to be committed and you got to be willing to pay for it. So it's, not an inexpensive endeavor there uh, on it. As far as goes of the nut sedge in tall fescue, um, the product Sedgehammer, I believe, um, with with the sedge would, would give you that. Um, so look at Sedgehammer. Uh, I believe that one's safe. Now, some of its sisters of that that chemistry are not safe on tall fescue, but I believe Sedgehammer halosulfuron is the chemical there is safe on tall fescue.
1: So important to read the labels on those And so Barbara's got the problem of Bermuda unwanted and fescue Some people have the opposite, some fescues Creeping into their Bermuda, so if the two Are left to their own devices, Clint Which one's going to win out, generally speaking?
0: Well, it depends on the environment If it's got plenty of sun, Bermuda grass Will win, Um, Bermuda grass likes sun, tall fescue will certainly struggle In the summertime, Um, and if that's The case, you can wind up selectively Putting out a material called like Certainty um, and certainty will kill the tall fescue and leave the Bermuda grass behind, uh, on it. So if you've got a nice sunny location, it gets hot and it's probably a better environment for Bermuda grass. Mm-hmm. You know, in horticulture, we talk about right plant, right place. Yes, It applies to turf as well. So if you've got the right environment for Bermuda grass, select towards it, selectively take out the tall fescue. Um,
1: Alright okay. Clint we're, we're up against a break here So Barbara thank you for the call We got DJ up next And I also want to know if anyone's ever given any thought to, to leaves To remove or to leave That is the question So we're going to ask Clint what's best there Coming up on 8 o'clock you're listening to Green and Growing Right here on WSB
2: This is the story
0: of the one